Hello and welcome to Healthy Mind, Healthy Life with your host Avik. This podcast is all about exploring the latest research, sharing personal stories and providing personal tips for improving our mental health and well-being. Each episodes will be joined by experts in the field of mental health as well as individuals who have experienced the transformative power of a healthy mind firsthand. Together we will dive into a range of topics from managing stress and anxiety to building resilience and cultivating happiness. So, join us on this journey to discover new ways to take care of our minds, bodies and souls and let's work together to create a healthier, happier world one episode at a time. So, let's get started. Hello and welcome to Healthy Mind Healthy Life podcast that is dedicated to empowering individuals on their journey to wellness and personal growth. I'm your host Avik and I am thrilled to have you join us today. In this episode, we dive into fascinating topics that affects many of us high sensitivity. We are honored to have an incredible guest Tammy with us today who brings a wealth of knowledge and expertise in counseling psychology energy healing stress management and mindfulness so tammy is compassionate and experienced professional who holds a masters in counseling psychology and uh, is a licensed professional counselor actually i have to step in there and say that i used to be that but i'm a, a practicing as a coach now but i do have that background Oh, oh great 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 thanks thanks for the moment so throughout her career like she has guided numerous individuals on their journey to self discovery and uh, self acceptance and personal empowerment so she understand the challenges faced by highly sensitive people and is passionate about helping them be themselves and be understood and find inner peace So Tammy's unique perspective coupled with her ability to develop coping strategies and shift limiting beliefs that allows her to support others in not only coping but thriving as highly sensitive individuals. So during this episode um, Tammy will share her insights and expertise providing valuable guidance for both highly sensitive individuals and alike. so she she will shed light on the highly sensitive trait explore coping mechanisms and offer practical strategies for thriving in a world that may seem overwhelming at times so get ready to gain deeper understanding of this trait and learn how to cultivate a supportive environment for healthy highly sensitive individuals so without further ado like let's welcome tammy the show. Hi Demi. Hello, I mean it's good to be here. Thank you for having me. Sorry to interrupt you there. I just wanted to be very clear. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. That that's that's totally correct. That's totally correct. Yeah. So uh, so Demi like uh, uh this this topic like highly sensitive. It's very uh it has very deeper meaning, I believe. So can you explain like uh what it means to be highly sensitive and uh share some common signs or characteristics that individuals uh with high sensitivity often exhibit sure and to start with um i'll mention that i actually like to use the term highly sensing okay. um some people say high sensory and that's that's used but as like and identifying who we are i like highly sensing just cuz sensitivity can sometimes get a negative connotation like something that needs to be taken care of <laughs> um versus just a personality trait which is what it is. So, yeah, those of us who are highly sensing, uh it, we have a personality trait that we are born with. It's genetic, it's inherent. So, we're born as a person who's more sensitive than others to our environment, to uh noticing external cues, to our emotions, uh, our brains just processing at a deeper level. and there are actual differences in our brains they've done a lot of scans and um certain things like 
if you're familiar with something called mirror neurons, the things that that lead us to yawn or smile or cry when we see somebody else doing the same thing. Uh, and those are activated at a much higher level and sooner uh, for us. So there are some actual, you know, physical differences, but it, it affects our nervous system and the way we process information in the world. And that's just very different than those who are not highly sensing. So uh, Elaine Aaron is the person who coined the term and did all of the initial research, which actually was in the 90s when I was in my master's program and wasn't um, privy to any of that information. So I had to learn all of that later in life. And that's what um, led me to uh, focusing primarily on high sensitivity because, um, you know, I, I've been through that on that journey and and learned a lot about that and then also discovered there were a lot of people that were finding me who were highly sensing and they didn't feel like they could get quite as far in counseling or coaching because they weren't really being understood so that's when it became my niche but um and that like kind of following on the the second line of thought of, with your question in terms of you know what is it exactly and how do we know um everyone has you know more sensitivity about certain things than others I mean, it's it's, you know, a, a spectrum for sure. Um, but those who tend to be higher on that on that range more of the time or most of the time tend to be those that are considered high, you know, highly sensing or highly sensitive. And it's really about, again, that processing deeply. And so we can become overwhelmed, um, overloaded by things. But it's like having I, I like to talk about it as being like a giant sponge with not very good filters. So all of this input is coming in and we don't, um, you know, just pick one here, one there, what it all comes in at once. So we're very aware of everything all the time. So we can get really overloaded easily because our bucket fills up a lot faster than someone who can just pay attention to that and then pay attention to that and, and choose to let things go really easily because they're like, eh, not important. But for us, we give meaning rich meaning to pretty much everything in life and everything is really important so if you're highly sensing you might have heard a lot in your life you know it's no big deal just let it go <laughs> that that was a long time ago why are you still worried about that that's a really common um, experience and so, uh, quite a lot of us um have a, a challenge with external stimuli like lights and noises and um, textures and you know things that are in our physical environment but that also incorporates um, energy so we can feel the energy of others at a, a deeper level usually and so if you're in a big room with a bunch of people there's a lot of energy going on there and those who are not highly sensing might not be aware of so much of that i mean they might go oh yeah there's a lot going on here but someone who is highly sensing is going to soak all that up and probably be aware of like, oh, there's something going over here. Someone's not so happy. And this energy over here is kind of frenetic. And, you know, so they're picking up on all of that stuff. So that contributes to that bucket getting overflowed as well. So we tend to really need a lot of downtime, a lot of self good self-care. I mean, everyone needs self-care and everyone is used, especially since the pandemic, used to the idea of stress and like, oh, I need to take care of myself because, you know, I haven't been doing that. And that's, you know, important across the board. But we need that extra bit of that because our nervous systems start kind of amped up more so than average, you know, comparatively. So we really need to to take care of that. And a lot of that tends to be alone downtime, which we're not all really good at. Um, some people don't enjoy being alone. Some people just feel selfish because they want that alone time. And we really need to have, you know, a good, good dose of that. Um, some, some people, including Elaine, would say we need two hours a day and an entire day a week of recovery time. And, you know, m most people these days don't don't have that ability to, to dedicate that much time to themselves. But if you see that as a goal and you can get as close to that as you can and you just acknowledge that that's just what you need. Um, in order in order to focus or to, to function with that really higher, you know, activated level of the nervous system. So, yeah, it's really all about um, being able to manage all of that input that's coming in and and seeing and a lot of what I work with with clients on is let, honoring who we are as highly sensing folks and not needing to change that, but developing the tools and learning how to share with other people and and create an environment that works for us, but not having to change it. But we spend a lot of time feeling like 
I'm too sensitive. I can't let things go. I need to have a thicker skin. That's a lot. You know, what we hear a lot is like, oh, grow a thick, you know, thicker skin. Just just don't worry about it or don't don't pay attention to what other people think or what they say or or those things. And it's it's much, much more challenging for us. So um, I guess that's in a nutshell. I think you added a little bit toward the end, but now I've forgotten. So. Um, that's great. That's great. So, as as someone who has personally experienced uh, being highly sensing, I, I'm I'm also rectifying the word sensitive to sensing. So, uh, could you share your own journey and how you discovered uh, that your sensitivities could be viewed as a superpower? Really good question. Um, I I learned about so everyone who is highly sensing has always been that way. So we've always known we were super sensitive, and we we heard that we're too sensitive, or we pay too much attention to things that are not important, or things like that. So we've always known that it's not like all of a sudden you go, oh, I have all these sensitivities. But when we become aware of the trait, then we realize it's not just us. And so that happened for me. 12, 13, maybe 14 years ago. I'm not really sure exactly, but you know, I had a situation with a friend uh, who was also a business partner and then another friend and I was feeling very misunderstood, not heard, um, you know, getting the sense that they thought I was ridiculous, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, it was really challenging for me and since one was my business partner, I really needed to get that that worked out and then someone that was supportive to me show, showed me um, a quiz that was online, you know, traits of high sensitivity and that's the first I had ever heard about it so once I went through that and checked off almost every single one it was like this aha moment of wow okay not only is it not just me because there's an inventory online but there's a reason I I react the way I do or that I feel the way I do or experience life you know as I do so that that was huge for for learning how to honor honor that and so I mean, I, then I took a deep dive into oh, so what is this high sensitivity thing you know what is this all about and then learned as much as I could and uh you know various mentors and you know, reading books and podcasts and all of that kind of stuff and re reading the research uh, Elaine Aaron has done a ton of research and then there are a lot of people these days that are following suit and doing their own research so there's a, a lot out there so I just you know familiarized myself with everything that was available at the time and then you know as as time's gone on um i've increased you know the number of books and all of that kind of stuff but uh but yeah just recognizing not only that i'm okay even though i have this trait but that also and the part you were talking about um with the superpower part is that if you have your uh your nervous system managed and fairly calm and you're doing a lot of good self-care and taking care of yourself and then you have the right mindset about it and then you learn how to share with other people and get your needs met and feel supported then you start to realize oh there's all of these amazing benefits of being highly sensitive and i was just talking with someone um, recently about th this very thing that like the one thing that we would probably really miss out on if we weren't highly sensing was the level of appreciation and experience of the world out there the we tend to be very tuned into art and nature and beauty and we notice things at such fine detail that they're and we give meaning to things so much that that life is amazing i mean there are things like some people can watch see a, a spectacular sunset and go oh that's pretty cool and then those of us who are highly sensing could be you know having tears down our cheeks or just be like I, I just, you know, I, I'm just in awe and marveling at the world. So that's my favorite piece of it. But, but also being able to recognize all the ways that it does help us. And a lot of those things we don't, people don't realize sometimes that it's because of or connected to our sensitivity because it's it's just who we are and how we operate. And those are the things that people really like and they don't tell us, you know, you shouldn't be that way. Um, but, it, you know, we look at things from all different sides. We consider all, you know, all different input before making a decision. And usually we take longer to make a decision because we're considering everything. And we do give all this meaning to everything. We're usually, you know, focused more on equality and making sure everyone's needs are heard and met and knowing how that might happen. We get our intuitions really strong usually. And so we kind of get these senses or we pick up that energy and being able to say, oh, you know, I, I think this would help this situation and, you know, probably be pretty, 
pretty on. So, so there's so many of these benefits if we can quiet down the overwhelm and this idea, these these beliefs that we've carried with us for so long that we need to be different. If we can just honor where we are and say, "Wow, okay, let me let me learn more about this and and recognize what it is about myself." that's related to high sensitivity. That's, that's great. That's really, you know, helping the world helping other people, helping myself. So that's part of that journey of, of just that discovery, self-discovery, discovery of the trait itself, and then allowing those things to shine by taking care of the nervous system and, you know, having that good self-care and, and just seeing it from that place of, yeah, this, you know, I talk about it as kind of being like left-handed or right-handed you're wired that way. Yeah. And, you don't need to change that. Uh, you have different tools or different experiences and people are supportive of that, you know, quite often, most of the time nowadays. Uh, so same, same thing, seeing that as like, oh, I'm wired this way. Let me help other people understand. They're not going to get it because they come from a different place, right? I mean, everyone sees life differently, but if you have a, a highly sensing person and a non-highly sensing person, they're not going to, you know, see and experience exactly the same way, but, you know, we can be compassionate and understanding and say, oh, okay, that's different for you than it is for me. They're, they're both okay. They're just different ways of, of experiencing life and, and making that okay instead of feeling that need to change. Yeah. No, no, that's, that's really true. And, uh, um, we shouldn't be changing anything. Whatever we have, we should be happy with that. So that's for sure. And mm-hmm. so, so many highly uh, uh, sensitive individuals often uh, face unique challenges in navigating a world um, that can be overwhelming. So what are some of the common struggles uh, you see among your clients or maybe someone you know? So and how do you help them overcome those challenges? So one of the things that's really important, a big focus for highly sensing folks is boundaries. So quite often our boundaries are, I mean, a lot of people don't have healthy boundaries, but... Sorry to interrupt in between. So mm-hmm. when you say boundaries, uh, that means uh, self-made uh, boundaries or any other boundaries you are saying? Yes. <laughs> um, all, all of those things. So, so yeah, I do work with clients on, so there's physical boundaries, uh, which includes things like scheduling. Oh. So one of the things that highly sensing people end up saying they feel, I mean, cause we are very capable, generally speaking, as long as we're, we have enough bandwidth, right? So, but we're very likely to overextend ourselves because we say, well, I should be able to do that. There's a lot of those shoulds happening, you know? So you get this huge full schedule and then someone says, hey, let's go to dinner. And you say, oh, OK, because, I, you know, that sounds fun, but not paying attention to the fact that how much energy is it taking for all of these things in my schedule? Am I really going to have enough left over at the end? Maybe, maybe not. Um, so there's physical boundaries of scheduling and time. It's really important to have a lot of breaks and, you know, it's scheduling like chunks of time in between bigger things to just calm and relax um, and then there's boundaries of, you know, the way people interact with us, the things that are okay or not okay, uh, being able to say no, having um, an environment that is, you know, conducive to whatever it is that we're trying to do and being able to say, uh, you know, I'd really like to do that, but I, I'm really distracted in this place right now. So if I could do it over here, I'm going to nail it, you know, it'll be totally fine. So yeah, across the board, all different types of, of boundaries. Um, and in particular, sometimes the the time one um, scheduling and such and being com- becoming um, over committed and then the part of kind of feeling like a doormat, you know, not wanting to say no to people, even if it doesn't feel right, even if you know you're not going to have enough energy, even if you're not really happy with that person, but they're saying things and you don't want them to say bad things about you. So you say yes. So all of those things are really important. Um so, so, I mean, like I said, a lot of people are dealing with not enough or healthy boundaries, but those who struggle with that quite a lot, or they end up feeling completely overwhelmed by the end of the day, even though they look at, we, we make a lot of comparisons, you know, with others, they can look and say, well, those people seem to be doing okay with all of that stuff. Why do I feel completely exhausted and want to just go home and crawl in bed? Um True. So, you know, try not to make make those comparisons, but but paying attention to to what that energy level is and honoring that, you know, is really key. 
So some other things that we do tend to run into are, again, you know, hearing from someone else what we should or shouldn't do, you know, don't don't pay attention to that. It's no big deal. Therefore, they, you know, it's at least implied that you shouldn't be, be worried about it. And it's not that big of a deal. It shouldn't be for you. Um, or, you know, yeah, be be tougher. That's not what I meant. You know, I'm, why would you think I'm trying to hurt you? Um, you know, second guessing other people, but also themselves. So those are some, some things that are that are really key for um, kind of working your way out of being in that place of overload, uh, having those those boundaries really set in place. And then a lot of times um, pr- just preparation. So we can get hungry really easily and kind of get, you know, hangry, as they say, or just like kind of irritable if we don't have enough food. Um, sometimes we have sensitive systems and we can't eat the same things that everybody else has. We need to have our own snacks. We need to make sure we have water and good sleep, all of those kinds of things. But also if we're planning, let's say, you know, you have a fairly average, plenty busy day and you think, well, I think I'll be able to, to go and have dinner with my friends. That's great. But having a backup plan or, you know, having yourself prepared. So doing a little deep breathing and refocusing before you go into like a restaurant that tends to have a lot of going, you know, stuff going on or um, just just energies of, of connecting with other people, making sure that you're kind of, you know, as centered as you possibly can, that you've had breaks throughout the day. And then just being open to the fact that sometimes things don't resonate for us and we need to change our minds. So you might go to a restaurant and think, okay, I'm, you know, I'm excited to see my friend. I haven't seen them, you know, for a long time and start to have a conversation, but there's so much going on all around you. You cannot focus. And so instead of saying I should be able to do that and be distracted the whole time and miserable the whole time, it's really a better idea to say, you know what? I really am looking forward to connecting with you and I want to be able to hear you, but there's so much going on around here. It's just not working. Can we go somewhere that's a little more quiet? And then, you know, shift things. So being able to honor what your experience is and then let people know instead of just, you know, suffering silently and expecting it to get better or thinking it shouldn't be such such an issue. Um, so so being prepared for that, you know, say maybe you'll get there and realize you don't have that enough energy or that it's just way too distracting and you didn't realize being able to say, mm, I need to step back from what I know I committed to that and it sounded really great and I'm still excited, but it's not working. So how can we shift that? So, so being prepared, but also having that kind of backup, um, you know, wait, not really like fully backing out. Sometimes we just have to say, wow, I'm just, I'm topped out and I, I just can't, I can't do this. Can we reschedule? I mean, sometimes we do that or, you know, this, I think it was last summer, actually this, this idea that keeps popping up I went to a, um, uh, an open house, and it was in a healthcare facility. And so, you know, the, the focus was all resonating with me and such. Um, there was a, a, a big wide open space in the front and then a bunch of little smaller um, offices around kind of the hub. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I did did pretty well for a while. And there's a lot, there's probably 40 people there and all different conversations. And, and then I realized at one point, I was like, oh, I'm kind of starting to feel things, you know, kind of filling up. So I was able to go into one of those separate little rooms so that it was a little bit quieter and I could focus, you know, more on someone. And that was working for a while. And then I just got to that point where I said, um, I, I can't focus anymore. So then I just stepped outside and I, you know, hugged a tree and walked around on the grass and what looked at the sky and did some deep breathing and just kind of recentered. And then after doing that for about 10 minutes or so, then I felt recharged again and 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 pretty pretty able to do a little bit more. So then I was able to go back in and spend maybe another half hour. And I was surprised by the time I was done. And I said, yeah, now it's time for me to go home. I'd been there for about an hour and a half. And for me, that was quite a long time for so much, you know, activity going on around me because it was all really, you know, close. So it's not that just that there were 40 people, but you if you really just stood there and was quiet were quiet you could pick up probably seven eight different conversations right and that's one of the things with a highly sensing person is that we're aware of all of those i mean it's not that we're following them all exactly but sometimes you know you, you hear these words and they're all over here you're not just focusing on that one anymore and and that not only affects us like being unable to pay attention to that one conversation you are trying to follow but at an energetic level, it's just all of that stuff is just coming in and coming in and we're filling up. And then eventually 
we just need to be done. So honoring that is really important too. No, that's that's really true. That's really true. And uh, so I also I also feel like sometimes uh, we wanted to say like uh, like the example you gave, right? There's a lot of noise going on, and uh, instead of saying we should do it, in, and we 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 shall mention it like uh, yes, I wanted to do, but uh, somehow I'm not able to understand here. Maybe we can go outside or somewhere. So that's that's the actual approach, but somehow we lack somewhere, or maybe we fear something. Like if we say like this, um, might be there something. They they might think of something. So that may be also a challenge for someone, I believe. Yes, so. um, and highly sensing folks, we do tend to be very perfectionistic and very concerned about what others think of us and what others feelings are we want everyone to be happy and, and okay so we want to help and we want to be seen as okay so um, more so than average probably you know we're not one of those that just be like i don't care what people think yeah. <laughs> you know we look at people like and say gosh that would be nice that you know if we, if we had that mm -hmm. so i mean it's something that you can cultivate eventually to, to be able to de detach from that it's not that we don't care but we can learn to say yep we're just different and and I just need to be okay with that. So part of it is is cultivating that self-honoring and that acknowledgement that we don't have to, one, be like everyone else, but we also don't have to make everyone our friend, don't have to make everyone like us. We don't have to have the right answers to everything that, that everyone's going to want. And it's okay to be different and, and, and not get on ourselves, not feel guilty for keeping up with the Joneses, if you will, or for, you know, if, if I, because that's one of the things that keeps people with, you know, from putting at their boundaries in place is to say, yeah, but if I set this boundary, so-and-so is going to be upset with me. Okay. And that's often very true. And one of the things with boundaries that people have to realize is that if you, if you start setting boundaries, you are likely to get some backlash because suddenly those people are affected by what they're used to you doing. And now it's not working anymore or it's not in the same way anymore. So it does affect other people and sometimes they don't like it and you will get some, you know, some backlash. Um, but it, learning that we are not, I mean, this is everyone, not just highly sensing people, but it's it, a little bit more pertinent for us, but we are not in charge of anyone else's feelings. We are not the, you know, we're not directing anyone else's lives. It's not up to us to make sure everyone is happy in every single circumstance. We're pretty good at knowing what people are likely to need, but we don't have to fix everything. And we can't make everyone happy with us all the time unless we let go of our boundaries and do things that aren't, aren't okay for us that don't resonate. And then still they can be upset with us. So yeah, letting go of that need for, uh, for approval, for acknowledgement, for, you know, getting what we need, in including like, you know, being told that we're, we're good and okay. And, um, and then also not having anyone else's, you know, feelings hurt. Those are, those are really important things to work toward. And, and, and it takes practice and, you know, putting these things into place, like, okay, let's, let's practice this, you know, baby step of this, this one boundary and sticking with it, no matter how awkward it feels. Um, sometimes one of the, the keys is, you know, being okay with being, um, uncomfortable, being comfortable with being uncomfortable or, or allowing being uncomfortable. Cause when we, when we make big changes, it can be really uncomfortable until it becomes, you know, habit. And then we get used to it and say, Oh yeah, that's, that's not so challenging anymore, but you have to have that practice and the willingness to go through that the whole, the whole way. So, yeah. So definitely true. And along with this, uh, with, with the highly sensitive individuals, there there is another side uh, which is called non-highly sensitive individuals as well, which might not fully understand the experience of being highly sensitive. So what advice uh, do you have for educating and fostering uh, empathy uh, among those who interact with highly sensitive individuals uh, in their personal or professional life? That's a really good question. And people ask that quite often. Like, I don't, I, I don't know how, how to present that information so people will understand me. And, and as yeah. I mentioned before, it's not that they're going to get you exactly. Like, all of a sudden, they're going to be in your head going, oh, that's what it's like for you. That, that's not the goal because that's not going to happen. But, but yeah, gaining that, that support and that recognition that, oh, okay, we see things from a different point. So 
there are two ways to do it. Um, depending on some people really don't like labels and they're like, I don't want anyone to see me as different or whatever. I'm not going to tell someone I'm highly sensing or highly sensitive. Um, and then there are others that they're like, no, I want people to understand exactly, you know, what this is like. And it's, it's more of a topic these days, you know, it's being more, um, more on the radar there, but you don't have to use that label or designation, but you can exp explain what it's like, what your experience is. So for example, you can say, you know, the way I'm wired, this is what this is like for me and be very detailed in, you know, when, when this word comes up or when this situation, this is my experience and be very detailed and clear. So they get an, an understanding. Um, and then saying, you know, what I really, this is really challenging for me because of this, this, and this, what I really need is, for example, from before a quieter place so that I am not distracted by so many things and I can just focus on you or something like that. So helping people to understand what the experience is like without expecting them to go, oh, of course. Because uh, one of the things that is important for highly sensing people to realize is that those who are not highly sensing, it does not mean that they're purposefully trying to be rude or inconsiderate or disrespectful. They're just operating from their place and they can't get you and you can't get them. <laughs> so being aware of that and saying, oh, so how do I educate them? So they kind of get what it's like. Um, I mean, you can pretend that you're left-handed to see what it's like for a left-handed person, but that's not really your experience because you can always default to, you know, your you're dominant, right? So it's like, okay, well, maybe I can put myself in into a situation and I'm, try to imagine what it's like if I'm paying attention to every single thing going on here versus just one. I, I'm not going to get what that's like, but but maybe I can, you know, think of it that way. So so providing information very clearly about what the experience is. Now, some people like, and depending on who you're talking with, um, and and what their support level is, and and just getting that sense. I mean. If you're highly sensing, you kind of have that idea of like, mm, I think if I go this direction, that's not going to work real, real well with that person. Uh, so honoring that. But sometimes it is really helpful to say, hey, do you know anything about high sensitivity? Have you ever heard of that? And then explain a little bit more in terms of what that means with the purpose of helping them to ex to understand that it's not a choice. It's not being overly dramatic. It's not being unreasonable. It's just the way we're wired. And so as a result of that, this is what the experience is like. Yeah. And then sometimes that helps some people. Cause then the example that I mentioned, um, you know, with my business partner, I had gotten that inventory and printed it off a blank one and handed it to her and said, would you mind looking at this for me? And so she looked at it and she, she's like, um, okay. You know, couldn't quite understand what it was for. And I said, well, I checked yes to all but two of those items. And she was, you know, rather shocked. And she said, of all these? And I said, yeah. And she actually pointed out, she's like, this one and this one and that one. I said, yep, that's that's my reality. That's what life is like for me. And therefore, that's why I react, you know, certain ways that I do that's different from you and why I don't understand the way you, you know, react to certain things because I wouldn't do it that way. Um, so, you know, having that that dialogue is really important without a judgment, either direction. Like this person should just get this because I've got it. <laughs> well, that doesn't work very well for, for anybody. I mean, we're in our own heads and, you know, our own experiences. And we need to be able to share neutrally, say, hey, this is what this is what life is like for me or this is what this situation is like for me. And then you can actually ask, what's it like? What's it like for you? So that they feel involved and, you know, supported and uh, acknowledged, you know, as well. And then you can have that, that discussion of how, how those things are different. And sometimes, you know, the other people are going, really? That, that's what that's like for you? Or that's what you would think in that situation? And, and they're thinking, oh, I wouldn't have thought that at all. But when each of you is reacting that way, you can get irritated with each other because you come from one place and they come, you know, from a different place. So, yeah. Yes. So, so here, here I also understand the mindfulness plays a, a very significant role in enhancing the well-being of for everyone. So, but how significant like can mindfulness um, practices um, benefit highly sensitive individuals in uh, managing their sensitivities and uh, finding balance? Yeah, I love that question. Um, and as I mentioned before, with the nervous system, it's really yeah. important that we try to calm that nervous system down as much as possible. And mindful practices are the best way to do that. 
And I would say the very first thing I always teach people is to focus on breathing. So some kind of breath work can be very, very simple. But if I usually start with those that tend to address, and people have heard a lot about this these days, but that trigger the vagus nerve um, or things that help us go from, you know, fight, flight, freeze and fawn, that, you know, like constantly going, running from the tiger kind of scenario to rest and digest. And what happens with highly sensing people is that we are even more often in that fight or flight place because our nervous system is amped up. So our whole body is constantly thinking we're in danger. And so it's really hard to have, you know, increase our bandwidth and be able to handle more when our bodies are like, oh, no, 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 it's, you know, it's dangerous. Yeah. So being able to do things that are mindful, that can bring us into the moment uh, is super, super helpful. So if we're in the moment, and I'm sure all of your viewers are familiar with all of this, you know, we're letting go of the past, not worried about the future, so we can be present. And then our bodies go, oh, maybe it's okay. All right. And so if we do these breathing practices that address the, the vagus nerve, uh, which, you know, go directly, I mean, it, it connects with everything, all of our systems and organs and everything in the body, but but it's really good at doing a really quick shift from that fight or flight to the rest and digest. And then we get to just go, oh, okay, because everything's okay. So there are other practices for vagus nerve um, triggering, which are things like um, humming and singing, gargling, you know, things like that, that are, are helpful as well. But the mindful piece, if we do um, breath work, and especially if we exhale a little bit longer than our inhale, that tells our body, because if you think of all of the things, you know, singing, gargling, you know, that kind of stuff, and then breathing really slow and deep. And then even on the exhale a little bit longer, it's telling our body, oh, obviously we're okay. Because you can't do these things if you're in danger, really. Um, so breathing is, you know, super important. I think uh, you can do it anywhere, anytime, frequently, uh, the, the number one thing. But but I'll mention, you know, meditation. And some people have a lot of judgment about their own abilities to meditate. I hear this all the time. Oh, I'm not good at that. Uh, so we have to really let go of expectations or have appropriate expectations about uh, meditation. But I found that for myself, once I committed to every single day, some kind of meditation practice. And, you know, at this point, it's about 20 minutes, um, you know, give or take, but that's kind of the focus. But even just doing five minutes, you know, every day, but consistently is really, really impactful. But once I had committed to that and done it for a while and you know how things are, if something starts, you notice it right away, but if something falls away, you, you're not sure exactly when that shifted, but you just suddenly become aware. So after maybe a couple months or something, I'm not even sure when it actually happened, but but I started noticing that things that used to really trigger me or I was really having a hard time letting go of weren't bothering me as much. And it wasn't that I didn't notice them, but I was able to just say, oh, okay, and move on. And I hadn't done anything different, but, you know, commit to this meditation practice. So I think it's really, really powerful. I mean, anyone who does, you know, teaches or incorporates meditation within um, their toolbox uh, will will probably say, you know, similar things about how, why it's so important and, and helpful and for so many different reasons. But but I think j just having that ongoing practice of something like mm -hmm. the breath work or meditation or certain types of yoga, not the like do as much as you can and get winded kind of yoga, but but the real centering kind or, or anything that brings you into that moment in the present uh, for a, a period of time, even if because this is part of that judgment, right? Even if your brain tends to go somewhere and you start thinking and then you come back. It's still it's powerful. Every time you come back, you're in that present moment because you're aware that you weren't there. So that awareness means that you're here. So having that that consistent practice of that um, really helps to drop that that threshold with the nervous system. We can fill up, regroup um, a lot more easily and have more bandwidth to handle all of the other stuff that comes in later. So, yeah, any kind of um, practice like that, focus on the nervous system. But then the self-care piece in terms of wellness is also doing things that make you happy, that are fun. Um, I mean, exercise is great if you're, I mean, taking care of yourself, you know, obviously is really good. So some, some exercise we do just because we know it's good for us. But if you can do a lot of things that are good for you physically, like exercise that you enjoy, like dancing or, I mean, if you do like running, great. If you don't like running, 
you know, make sure that you've got some other things that are good for you that can, you know, help help you feel happy to recharge. So any kind of wellness focused stuff. I and mean, one of the things with um, HSPs, highly sensing people is uh, we tend to be very creative and that doesn't mean artistic necessarily, but it can. Uh, but, you know, starting a new project or gardening or, you know, coloring books or, you know, anything that that activates that creative side, that's a good part. To, it's the tool to add to your wellness toolbox, you know, spend, spend, make sure that you have it at least, you know, once a week, if not daily, some, some kind of activity that's going to be creative for you. I mean, that sometimes is even in work, but, but, but doing something, maybe that's cooking for you or that's not for me, but <laughs> for some, you know, that's a, a creative outlet. So those kinds of things uh, really, yeah, really impactful for, for our nervous systems, you know, to, to have that downtime, but also to, to have more of that, that joy of life by doing those things that feed us. So if you're not even, you know, sure, one of the things I recommend a lot of times is just creating a list, start a list and keep adding to it. What, what are the things that, that I'm happy when I'm doing, you know, that, that lead to calm, comfort, peacefulness, happiness, joy, sometimes maybe even like, you know, something that makes you ecstatic, but those things that feed you and making sure that you incorporate those, you know, at least one of those things, hopefully more every single day so that you're, you know, taking care of your, your system and your, your well-being that way. Yeah. So, like, um, do I understand this? But then also there is one thing which is coming to my mind. Like, uh, this highly uh, sensitive individuals, uh, how they can identify their career paths and work environments uh, that align with their sensitivities and allow them to thrive. Yes, that's a really good focus. Um, and a lot of times people do end up in in fields or in specific situations that that aren't resonating. And they'll spend a lot of energy on trying to find a way to just get the support they need or just be understood or tune out all of these that you know whatever it is it's not working the you know if there's a, a lot of employees and there's a lot of undercurrent you know unhappiness and people are jabbing each other in the back and you know st- all that kind of stuff we're going to pick up on a lot so if there's a lot of that stuff happening sometimes it does you know mean okay i need to make a big change in what i can control so that sometimes that means asking specifically from your supervisors or your office mates or whatever. It's like, I'm really needing this in order to 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 be the, the best person that I can be here and making those changes if they're possible. And then to be honest, sometimes we're in situations that just are not going to be suitable for us. Um, I mean, we, we usually are really um, identified with, you know, the helping fields and the creative arts, uh, you know, a lot of actors and writers and artists and people that musicians that you're are your favorites are likely to more likely to be highly sensing than than usual. Um, but even like diplomacy, we're usually really good with with that and leadership and all of those things. But we have to have everything designed in a way that resonates with us so that we're not distracted so that we are able to put our best foot forward and and make a, a big impact so first looking at those things that we can change and asking for that support and seeing if that can can be you know adjusted and then sometimes it means looking at wow you know maybe i do need to be doing something else and since i learned later um, in life about the trade uh, i started off you know as a counselor and I worked with um, physical abuse, sexual abuse, and domestic violence survivors. And I would—I was really good at it. And I thought I wasn't taking it home with me. I thought I just left it at the office and that was all fine and good. Uh, I knew I was sensitive, but I didn't know anything other than that. It's just like, oh, something I need to, you know, watch. Uh, and I fortunately was always really good at self-care i'd learned that pretty early and so i incorporated some of that but i didn't have that mindset and that that awareness and so i was allowing stuff you know to affect me on an energetic level especially and one day i woke up and didn't want to go to work i didn't i didn't want to hear another story i didn't want to 
you know, be around that energy. I mean, I, I can look back and say exactly what that was now, but at the time I just knew like, I don't, I don't know what's going on, but I don't want to go to work. And that's a problem. If you're a counselor, you don't want to go in and work with your clients. So I made some changes, you know, for a couple of years, I tried this and tried that. And I was like, I, I just can't do it anymore. And I had to stop. And I actually kind of did a 180, not exactly, it was still helping, but I went into massage school and learned energy work. And that was a way for me to shift, but not have to do with the emotional piece and and hearing all of these stories and being immersed in that, you know, situation. And then, you know, eventually I, I really missed a lot of, of that, but at a different level and different focus. So that's when I started coaching, uh, still incorporating the energy piece and, and whatnot. But, but that was the reality for me. I just had to realize I, I can't make this happen, make this work for me because I'm, I'm, I'm just so sensitive. I, I pick up on all that and I have all these tools, but that's, that's not, that's not going to work anymore um so you know looking back had i been more aware and structured it in a little different way and been really clear on my energy boundaries and setting my intentions and not bringing things in with me you know i yeah i could have lasted a lot longer i i, I can't say for sure but but whenever i talk with people about considering you know what's the what's the next step where do i go from here i don't even know what, what kind of work i should do uh, I think it's good to make a list of all the things that make you happy, that you're passionate about, that you that really resonate for you, not what you think you should or that you say, well, I'm good at that. So that should be on my list. But so letting go of those and saying what really resonates when I think of doing that, how do I feel? Yeah. And if that energizes you or makes you feel like, oh, that would be really fun. Put that on the list. It still doesn't mean that it's that it's workable you know, depending on the situation, but, but you get that idea of the things that, that, that would feed you. Um, and I know for myself, I was, I do tapping EFT, um, tapping, uh, with my clients and it's really powerful. And I said, okay, well, I want to be able to give back and join this program where they train you in a very specific way for working with, um, veterans, war veterans for PTSD and, and such like that. So they train you in this very specific way. And then you, you offer, you know, a couple sessions, of, you know, for each month. And so I started, I said, Oh, that's a great thing to do. And I, you know, have that background and then I certified in the EFT. And so I started that program and then it kicked in after a couple hours of watching the videos. And I said, Oh, hold on. Is, is this going to work for me? Because it was similar to, you know, it was the whole trauma idea and all like, am I going to be okay having these hour sessions of hearing these stories or hearing people talk about these situations? And I had to be real with myself and say, while I have the compassion and the skills to be able to help with that, it's not going to work for me. And so I had to bow out of that. So sometimes it, it is just a matter of saying, yeah, I'd love to be able to do that but I don't see how that could work for me. And if we, if we go in, this is good across the board, but you know, if we're, if we get a body sense of, um, you know, decisions or decision, you know, decision-making, if we, if we say, okay, how does this resonate with me? If we, if we sit and get quiet and really pay attention to our bodies, we tend to have a visceral response of some kind right. um, with our intuition telling us yay or nay. So if you have this list of all these things that are, potentials and then you say okay well what would this be like and you think of all the parameters you know involved in that particular scenario and then you sit quietly and you say okay how would it feel to be doing this and then pay attention and honor uh to uh, what comes up and so if you get this you know tightness or this kind of like pull back or like oh i don't know this feels really heavy or you know whatever it is in your body that you're you're reacting to, then you get that sense that, mm, okay, even though my mind says that's really great, maybe that doesn't fit with me. And then maybe you pick an, you know, another one and you say, these are all the parameters. Okay. What is this going to be like? And then you sit with it and go, Oh, I feel kind of energized about that. That feels, feels really good. Then maybe you're on to, you know, something that, that could resonate. And then it's still that, okay, how can I orchestrate this so that it's going to be you know, resonant with me and my energy system. And a lot of that is the honoring piece. I mean, I had to let go of the whole, like I spent all this time and all this money, you know, for schooling. And then I have all my commitments to my clients. How can I just walk away? I had to get to that point and go, well, like, you know, I can't be the, the counselor I wanted to be anymore. So 
you know, I, I have to step up and say, yeah, I need, I need to change that. But, but honoring where that's at and say, oh, I really like to do that, but I don't feel like that would work for me. And, and allowing that, giving permission to say, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll pick a different, different route. Um, well, that is so interesting and it's very clear, I guess. Uh, you have explained so smoothly and so easily for uh, people to understand. I guess um, this will really will bring uh, some change, definitely. And I love the way you uh, mentioned everything, like uh, the uh, for, for people who are highly sensitive and for people who are not sensitive. So I, I really liked it, really liked it. So so thank you so much for joining us on this uh, enlightening episode of Healthy Mind and Healthy Life. And we hope like people have found our discussion on navigating the high sensitivity and uh, thriving uh, in a world of intense experiences, both insightful and empowering. So like our extended heartfelt gratitude to you, Danny, for sharing your expertise and personal journey with us. So, uh, like uh, for for the listeners, like her wealth of knowledge uh, in counseling, psychology, and uh, energy healing, stress management, and uh, mindfulness actually has shed a light on the unique challenges and strengths of highly sensitive individuals. So I would say highly sensing individuals. So always remember that uh, high sensitivity is not a weakness, but a remarkable trait that when understood and embraced can lead to a personal growth, self-acceptance and empowerment. So by cultivating self-care practices, developing coping strategies and fostering supportive relationships, highly sensitive individuals and not only cope, but also thrive in a world that may sometimes be overwhelming. So we encourage you to take the wisdoms and insights gained from this episode and apply them into your own life, whether you are a highly sensitive person or interact with highly sensitive individuals. So together, we can create an environment of understanding, empathy, and acceptance for all. So if you have enjoyed this episode, please do share it with your friends, family, or anyone who might benefit from understanding high sensitivity and learning how to support highly sensitive individuals. So don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Do receive updates on future episodes dedicated on your holistic well-being. So thank you once again for tuning in to Healthy Mind and Healthy Life. Always remember that your mind and your well-being matter. And by nurturing a healthy mind, you can truly create a healthy and fulfilling life. So take care, be kind to yourself. And we definitely look forward to having you join us for our next episode and thank you Tammy for uh, making time for this episode and sharing all your insights and knowledges with everyone thank you for having me really appreciate it thank you thank you